Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's Friday. September 2nd, and we're closing the books on a great, I mean, a great week for the podcast, but not before we get a chance to bring back the great, the mystical, the legendary Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Look, we're, we're on, uh, the clock is ticking. Uh, the drafts are coming. The season's almost here. Let's just get into it. I'm great. Yes, let's get right into it. Today, Scott and I are going to be talking about aging running backs and previewing two teams that are important to get right in fantasy this year, honestly, um, the Packers and the Vikings of the NFC North. But first, let's get through some news today. Um, this one, you know, obviously doesn't change anything, but the Broncos signed quarterback Russell Wilson to a five-year, $245 million contract. Probably good to, for Russ to just get this thing going now. I did see that he uh, said, I want to, you know, take less money to make this a, a team-friendly deal. You know you didn't, but whatever, Russ. Um, <laughs> you know, Scott, I've said this a few times on the show recently that I, I am still very curious to see how – let's just say how long it takes for this offense to really coalesce and find itself. Like I've, I've said a few times, I don't – I think we get to week six this year and it's like, we're still not all the way there with the Broncos, but good for us to get this deal done now. Yeah. I don't think it changes anything for fantasy purposes. I'm still very proactive on the Broncos. I'm going to have a lot of Wilson this year. And even if it affects the roster construction of the team in future seasons, it's not going to affect anything they do between now and opening day. So, um, you know, good for us. He's got to get a little, a few more uh, dollars in his pocket. We have three like little, Running back kind of roundup news. I'll I'll see if any of these move the needle for you. Uh, the Commanders, unfortunately, we know Brian Robinson, tough situation with the uh, armed robbery that he experienced uh, recently, or at least attempted robbery. He was placed on the reserve slash non-football injury list. This move guarantees that Robinson is going to miss the first four weeks of the season. Um, so it looked. The backfield's kind of back to just the Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick show, which is basically what we saw last year. In other kind of like backup running back news, Trey Sermon. Oh, my God. I mean, the fantasy 
ink that was wasted on Trey Sermon the last couple of years. <laughs> He's been waived, but was picked up by the Eagles, which frankly, decent landing spot. And then uh, the Athletics' Doug Holler reports that Eno Benjamin may have secured the Cardinals' number two running back job based on their roster cutdowns. Um, any of these three things move the needle for you much at all in fantasy here? No, I don't think Sermon can play. Uh, and he goes to a Philadelphia team that has a lot of options already, plus a running quarterback. The Robinson news is terrible. You just hope that guy can can get healthy. He was at the start of his career. He was somebody who was was probably going to be drafted proactively by a lot of people. It, it, it does open up the door for Antonio Gibson. It feels gross even just discussing this for I fantasy know. purposes because yeah. we're, we're human beings, right? I mean, and what a senseless act of violence. So, you uh Prayers up for for Robinson. Just hope he can get back to a normal, you know, set of life and uh, and maybe get back on a football field at some point. I don't I don't know when that would be. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to speculate on that. But it it does give Antonio Gibson a chance. I've always thought JD McKissick had a pretty low floor. I don't know that the Cardinals are going to have much of a running game if they lose James Conner. Man, do they need him to stay healthy? And that's something he has not particularly done well during his career. Of course, running back is just a position where the injuries all collide anyway. But I don't think I've drafted a bunch of teams. I don't think I have any Eno Benjamin yet. So that kind of speaks to how I feel about him. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like James Conner a lot as a, a third round pick. He's somebody that I've kind of moved towards there. Like if he's around, especially if I've, you know, if I've gone running back wide receiver or wide receiver running back, like I definitely think that James Conner makes a lot of sense as a third round pick. And you're right. If they, if they lose him, they don't have anyone proven behind him. Um, I, I heard a stat recently that, the Chiefs running backs last year averaged the most yards before like yards before contact per rush, but broke the least tackles or something like that last year, which speaks to Daryl Williams, who's got a lot of burn in that uh, in that backfield. Of course, CEH is still there, too. So um, it was definitely looking like, you know, Benjamin was probably the best bet to be that number two back ahead of Daryl Williams, who for some reason got a little bit of fantasy pop when he signed. But um, whatever. Lastly here, and this one I do think matters a lot. ESPN's Elena Getzenberg reports that Isaiah McKenzie suffered an undisclosed injury on Saturday and he's not practiced since. The team seems still pretty convinced that he's going to get out there in week one, but you know, McKenzie has really risen up the depth chart. I think McKenzie is a pretty good player. Um, someone that I think like regardless of how you feel in the great Gabe Davis wars and Dalton and I, you know, really brought out the short sword and shield on the last episode talking about Gabe Davis. I mean, I hope Dalton's still ashamed for some of the things he said on the, on the podcast with Gabe Davis and Mike Evans yesterday, you know, regardless of how you feel about that, I think Isaiah McKenzie before this was a great late round pick, but now we've got a little bit of injury concern here, at least heading early into the season. Yeah, I mean, it looked like McKenzie was the cheapest way to get exposure into that high powered Buffalo offense. And now we have to take a little bit of pause Maybe Jamison Crowder can get his hat back in the ring. I was going to draft McKenzie this weekend probably as you know, one of those lottery tickets late in my bench, and now I, I have to reconsider that because, again, I, I thought he was a really nice play. Inexpensive, what, 11 catches against the Patriots when he was pressed into a regular role in that late regular season game. And he beat out – Crowder's still a good player. The fact that yeah. he beat out Crowder, I thought – I don't think it was a knock on Crowder, although he's getting to an age where his – Relevance is probably a small window. I thought it was more, well, we really think Isaiah McKenzie can play. We're ready to kind of unleash him in a strong offense. So it's no fun to have to pull back on that. But that's, you know, we have to be practical and pragmatic about these things. So I am pulling back a little bit on Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like uh, th this could be a situation there. It was a couple 
piece of concern about the, like Jalen Waddle missing the opener a couple of days ago, but now it seems like he's going to be fine. He's probably going to be out there week one. So, you know, these, these teams are cagier than ever. Um, with, with it's funny with these like newer, you know, not that Sean McDermott's like a, a new face on the scene or whatever. He's been around the NFL for a minute, but it's funny that with some of these teams, like the more younger and kind of progressive that they get, it almost seems like the more cagier they are with injuries in some way. So like I could see McKenzie, like, again, this is an undisclosed injury. We don't even know what the deal is here. So we, we shall see with Isaiah McKenzie. I will also put uh, just Khalil Shakir's name on the radar as well. Love that rookie that they drafted in day three. I mean, again, was he probably going to be relevant? Probably not. But like if McKenzie is hurt, you know, if Crowder is 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 a little bit on the other side here, uh, yeah, I think that we should just keep that name in the back of uh, our, our minds for like waiver wire speed dial on down the line. Khalil Shakir, rookie receiver there. All right, Scott, I really wanted to talk about an article that you did for the site on running back age cliffs. Great, great piece. Why don't, why don't you kind of um, give sort of like an intro for it before we kind of review the uh, the best part of the article, honestly, to me was running back the going on memory road. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second, but what's kind of the inspiration behind your running back uh, age cliffs piece, which you titled, when do we arrive at the danger zone? Yeah. You know, it was, um, I've been playing fantasy for a while, for a few decades now. And it used to be age 30 was when the lights started flashing, you'd back off a running back, you'd get nervous. That was the, um, you know, don't trust any running back over 30 was kind of the fantasy ethos. And I think that's a lot has changed in the, in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Obviously, teams are more likely to have backfields of committee now. And it used to be that the bell cow was pretty common. Now there's only a handful of bell cows in the league. Most teams use two backs. Some teams use three backs. And we're always trying to reduce a backfield from three to two for fantasy purposes. So I, I was wondering, you know, I got to thinking one day, you know, man, it wasn't that long ago that Todd Gurley was like the king of the fantasy world or Le'Veon Bell was the king of the fantasy world or David Johnson was on the magazine covers or... You know, everybody wanted Devonta Freeman. You even even the last couple of years, Derrick Henry broke down last year. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's had two lost seasons. So I wondered, you know, if I looked at the top twenty running backs of the last five seasons, how how old are these guys? Where is a running back on a second contract a bad bet? Things like that. So I did a couple of different things. One is I looked at the the number one overall running backs going back to two thousand thirteen. I found it interesting. Just collection of guys. You know, last year Henry was the reigning number one. Uh, he he played a handful of games, got hurt. He was still the running back fourteen. Uh, in two thousand nineteen, Christian McCaffrey was the number one running back. He's played ten games since. Todd Gurley actually had two years in a row where he was the number one running back, but he's he's out of football at the age twenty seven. He didn't play last year. You know, I mean, been, you know, th thanks for the service. He's you know he's no longer in our lives. Uh, David Johnson was the number one running back in two thousand sixteen. He's had a checkered career since. His career might be over. I'm not going to go through all these guys specifically what they did, but you know, Devonta Freeman hit a cliff quickly. DeMarco Murray, after his big year, quickly into irrelevance. Jamal Charles had one more good season, and then he was basically off a cliff. And now the Le'Veon Bell was never the number one running back. Number two running back a couple of times. He has a holdout in his prime, which I, I don't really understand. But since then, he's really fallen off. And with the last time we saw Le'Veon Bell, he just looked like an ordinary player. He didn't look like anything close to a star. So... What really makes this interesting for me is, is okay, so look, it's it's hard. I, I get it. It's hard to, regression's a thing. It's hard. If you, you finish the top of any position, it's hard to repeat. You know, quarter, quarterback ones don't repeat. You know, wide receiver ones, it's, you know, Cooper Cup could easily be wide receiver 11 this year, and it wouldn't be like he's a stiff all of a sudden. It's just hard to beat everybody else. That said, when I ran the numbers of the top 20 running backs the last five years, and I saw where the age distribution was, 
man, did it really shade towards the mid to early 20s? And there just weren't that many guys in the late 20s. And uh, as Alex Caruso points out, uh, kind of a little rising star on Twitter, the last nine number one running backs overall in fantasy have been 25 or younger. Now, I've always, I've been trying, Matt, to go younger at this position. But when I did this little data dive, and, and look, it's, you know, this is like, I did some first level stuff. I did some some second level stuff. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have any graphs in this article. There's certainly people who've done deeper research on this type of thing. So I, I don't want to act like I've cracked some code or anything. But it just it just overwhelmingly screamed out to me, you got to go young at running back. You you And once these guys hit age 27, 28, 29, you really get to be nervous. And man, look at all the good running backs in that age pocket right yes. now. Derrick Henry's 28. Aaron Jones is 28. Alvin Kamara is 27. Uh, you know, just a lot of guys we want to draft are in this kind of red area or this, you know, you know, yellow area heading towards red. So it just underscores to me, I want to go younger at the position. And the other thing is, I, I, I think when a player is, especially at running back, when a player is playing, performing at a peak level, we just want to believe it's going to go on for forever and ever, or you know, for for several years. And I just think that these windows close a lot quicker than we uh, imagine they're going to. And that's why, you know, man, I'm getting nervous about Alvin Kamara into an age 27 season with a lot of things pointing in the wrong direction. I won't draft Eric Henry this year. Now, this is a I take it on an all lock heart basis. Aaron Jones is 28, but because he's been a heavy pass catcher, I think maybe the attrition won't be as penal to him, but. I, I knew running back was a position to go young. After I did this, I want to go even younger. So much good stuff to get into. Um, and everybody should go read the piece because I, I read it uh, this morning and, and it was just, it was awesome. Like I said, just chock full of, of information. Like you mentioned, the meat of this group of guys, the top 20 backs in, in um, over the last, the last hundred, so hundred runners over the five years, the last five years, the meat of these guys are ages 22 to ages 26 uh, in age 22. You've got 14 players, 23, 17 players, 24, 20, uh, 24 is uh, 15, 25, 16, 26, 14. And then 27 is when you start to get into the single digits. And that was then striking to me that guys from age 27 to 28 this year, Austin Eckler, James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry. Like, that. there's a lot of guys that not just ADP is, you know, uh, saying these are the guys we're drafting. Like, shoot, I really want to draft Austin Eckler. I really want to draft Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Um I'm it's like you don't want to say it out loud to anybody, but I still really like drafting Zeke. Um, Aaron Jones, we've talked about is like my favorite. I've said that Aaron Jones, my favorite second round pick more times than I can count the last three. Yeah, me too, basically. Yeah. 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 We've been on lockstep about that, Scott. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it changes my draft plans or anything like that, but it it is. I don't know. I'm raising an eyebrow at my own takes here, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, you list all those guys and man, a lot of first round capital, a lot of second round fantasy capital, a lot of third round fantasy capital. So you might say, okay, well, what, what guys am I going to go red light on? What guys do I not want to draft? And it's in a lot of cases, it's the players who have already taken a step in the wrong direction for whatever yeah. reason. Derek Henry off a of major injury cheese theory here, Scott. Like, yeah, the cheese start, has yeah. the cheese gone bad on Derek Henry. I, I, and I hate saying it. Look, I, I want to be wrong on all these guys. Cause when these guys, you know, Alvin Kamara is one of my strongest fades this year. When Alvin Kamara is running well, he's one of the most beautiful players in the NFL, yeah. you know? 
even though I'm not drafting Kamara, if he's great, other than the fact that my Twitter mentions will be an absolute nightmare, I'll, I'll enjoy the fact that it's, <laughs> it's it's fun to watch this guy play. Just close the app. But, just 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 close that app out. <laughs> yeah, probably don't read the mentions. But uh, guys who I'm backing off in part because of this, maybe it just underscores. You know, maybe it's just confirming priors or you know some confirmation bias. But I'm backing off Henry. I wasn't in on Kamara to begin with, and and I know. Zeke's going in the fourth round so often now, so I get people who will say, well, hey, well, wait a minute. He's still their guy. They're going to play to the contract. Don't worry about Tony Pollard. But they did lose their left tackle. Uh, they, they tumbled from number six to number 20 in the uh, established the run offensive line rankings, which, you know, that means something to me. I'm not going to draft into Zeke. Uh, I'm not going to draft Kamara. I'm not going to draft Henry. And some, some of these other guys, man, I, I'm at least going to have... An, also, this is really basic but when we try to figure out what to do with denver th this is a great example right i mean javonta williams and melvin gordon they there wasn't much to separate them last year as much as a lot of us wanted to see williams really assert himself and become the guy there they shared the job they were both relatively even in efficiency but williams is seven years younger yeah i, I just yeah. i just have to figure at some point and, and you know what I, th I think a lot of people might draft williams and I think one of two things is going to happen. Either Williams is going to go bonkers or he's going to go bonkers next year. And then everybody's going to be like, oh, man, I had Williams last year. And, you know, I'm OK mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. If I'm a year early on Williams and he's merely good this year, but it's like a 60-40 with, with a Gordon or a 55-45 or even a 50-50, I'll live with it. You'll, you'll take a little bit of a hit. But the upside is that he's into his age 22, Gordon's into his age 29, or maybe it's 20, 21 and 28 or 29, 30. I, I forget what it is. There's just, I know there's a seven-year age difference, and that's a huge amount at running back. So my main takeaway is no Henry for me, no Kamara for me. That's a, that's a lot of, you know, I don't trust uh, the quarterback. I don't trust the offensive line. They've improved their receiver room, which I guess you, people can spin that two different ways. They're going to be in scoring position more often, but I don't think Kamara's ever catching 81 passes again. So no Kamara for me, and I, I really want to be proactive on Javonta Williams. I think he's a great get this season. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's just, like, outside of an injury, you said this a lot with Javonta Williams, like, how much are you going to lose on that pick? There's so much to gain if he just runs away with the job. And, yeah, I ran the theory past Frank Schwab a few episodes ago that I think how this committee gets split whether it's 20 more carries or 100 more carries for Javante Williams, is all going to come back to Javante Williams. Uh, like, if he's really good to start, they're just not going to go away from him, and they're just going to give him more and more and more work. And he's got two good matchups, I think, the the Seahawks and the Texans, to start this year. So he's got a lot of runway there. I agree with your take on Williams and just that age gap. It, by the way, it is funny that you meant just bringing it back to Derrick Henry, and, and I'll jump to my next point there. The Titans are not backing off Derrick Henry. The Titans gave Derrick Henry a raise today, which I thought, I, like, for, for no other reason than just, like, we like you, Derrick. Which, by the way, I love Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's one of my favorite players uh, in the NFL. I, I like Derrick Henry, too. Let's, let's get him a raise. But, yeah, he basically, instead of receiving his base salary, he got a $2 million bump for 2022, um, gets a $9 million signing bonus, $4 million base salary, $1 million and 46 per game roster bonuses so um that's great he did a two million dollar raise basically for derrick henry and and i i think it is striking how much the titans have doubled down on derrick henry as the identity of their team like they trade away aj brown they're bringing on Traylon burks a little slow like I think there's a non-zero percent chance that Malik Willis starts games for this this team next year as they continue to sort of again be built around a running game. But 
I guess what I came away with it from from this this older age group thinking, Scott was, well, how many like leaps of faith does it have? Do you have to take if they, if they're already sort of in this running back danger zone, sort of like you said, which like we got the dead zone, we got the danger zone, a lot of zones here with running backs. Um, how many leaps of faith does it take for you to sort of still believe in a player for like Austin Eckler at age twenty seven? Doesn't take that many leaps of faith because. He's just now become a workhorse back the last couple of years. The tread's still pretty light. And, like, same thing with him and Aaron Jones. They're going to be used so much in the passing game that they're not going to be getting just these brute carries like Derrick Henry up the middle. Even a guy like – I think Dalvin Cook's one that – I think of this group that I raised my eyebrow the most at because I think with Derrick Henry, you've already got to take a couple of leaps of faith, right? We already knew that, I think. With 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 Alvin Kamara, new offense, that's a leap of faith. New passing game role, you got to take a leap of faith there. Now we're taking the additional older age leap of faith as well. With Dalvin Cook, like, there's a lot of good leaps there about this new offense, but he's still in that sort of precarious area age-wise. And, I mean, there's already been plenty of injuries along the way. Right. Um, and I like the way you framed Aaron Jones. You know, somebody would say, well, what would it take for you to draft one of these older running backs proactively? And I like the running backs who are active in the passing game because they're being tackled by the the lighter players on defense and aren't running through the gauntlet and, and getting destroyed by the 320-pound nose tackle and stuff like that. Again, all the more reason to worry about Henry. But you have guys like Jones who are so active in the passing game and Eckler. And Eckler also stands out for me because he it took a while for him to establish himself with the Chargers. So he hasn't you know, logged a, a bunch of carries yet. You know, he hasn't put up a bunch of miles on the odometer yet. So I could talk myself into Eckler, talk myself into Jones. But but even past that, even if you want to say, okay, well, all right, you're, you're Debbie Downer here. You're talking me down on all these great players and everything. You know what? Let's spin it the other way. Yeah. Look at the other part of this data, which is that the guys who have been in the top 20 in the last five years, this is overwhelmingly dominated by running backs 25 and younger. Let's go get those guys. Now, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, you need a number one or number two pick. He's hard to get. But maybe this is a Devonta Williams thing. You know, maybe that could help you feel better about Saquon Barkley, who's still just in an age 25 season. Well, so, let's let's think on Taylor here for a second. Just stick on him because he, as we're going through the, the, the running back one overall group, which, again, was kind of just because I like walking down memory lane like that, was sneaky. My favorite part of your article here was, was that part of it. Um, and I mean – it's very rare that like a Chris McCaffrey is the guy that we took one overall two years in a row. And obviously like last year, it didn't really work out. And it, it I guess Todd Gurley's our one example is the guy that's gone back to back one overall. Um, although when I'm looking through this list, Scott Gurley is kind of the guy that Taylor reminds me of the most because of, of your guys here, you know, with the Chris McCaffrey, like David Johnson, Devonta Freeman, DeMarco Murray, those types don't really, it, it, the reason Taylor and Gurley connected in my mind because Uber talents, young in the very, very beginning of their career, it, Taylor's even at the beginning of his career more so than Gurley was when he repeated uh, running back one overall finishes. Um, so th- it makes me feel pretty good about betting on Jonathan Taylor number one overall. Just just thinking about that Gurley example when he went back to back 2017 and 2018. Well, it's interesting. I think Gurley can be spun one of two different ways. Some people can say, well, yeah, he, he was number one running back two years in a row. 
But then after that, his efficiency really cratered. In 2019, his age 25 season, 3.8 yards a carry. I know oh, yeah. that's not a perfect metric, but it's something. He goes to Atlanta, 3.5 yards a carry at age 26. And then he's out of the league at age 27. He does not play last year. And I haven't heard any whispers of Todd Gurley working out for anybody or wanting to come back. It just yeah, seems like I think he's done. And that's just one of that's a, a really big takeaway for me is just you blink your eye. Like, again, man, Le'Veon Bell. What are you doing sitting out a year in your prime at a position where the, the, the window is so is so minute, it's so small that you have to make what you can, when you can, while you can. You got to do it now. So um, Gurley, to me, it's, it's just, you would have thought, if I had said to the people in, in 2017, 2018, yet without having a catastrophic injury, I know Todd Gurley did have injuries. Of course, any running back's going to have injuries, but without having like some ridiculous, like, um, you know, Achilles tear or something like that. He'd be out of the league in a couple of years. You'd look at me like sideways. Like, what, what are you crazy? I mean, I, I'm going to still drafting Todd Gurley when he's 30, you know, and, and I, some guys have aged well. Curtis Martin aged well. Frank Gore aged well. LaDainian Tomlinson aged pretty well. I think a lot of those guys, the common thread is they're, again, running outside the tackles, catching a lot of passes. And I think teams are going to be smarter about this when they get you know, their premier running backs. It's like, okay, let's get these guys in space. It's the smarter teams in the NFL have generally done that. The Patriots have been really good using their backs in the, in the passing game. Sean Payton is always a staple of the Payton and Breeze offense is getting those cheap yards. You, the, you can set up a screen or you can set up a swing pass where it's like, okay, here's like eight or nine yards. It's like stealing. And the defense doesn't really, it's not, there's no real way to prioritize it because they're worried about the downfield stuff. I, I think it's, we're going to see more of this where, the combo back. And I've always felt the combo back is underrated in the NFL that you know, Jerome Bettis was overrated, a two down banger, but look at guys like Warwick Dunn or Ricky Waters or Tiki Barber, who I think is a hall of famer guys like that. Uh, so what if they, they didn't win rushing titles? I yeah, Tiki Barber won yards from scrimmage titles. You know, Thurman Thomas is a hall of famer. I thought I always thought he was a great player. He won four straight yards from scrimmage titles. Uh, you know, guys who can play on all three downs, and we're certainly looking for that in fantasy, right? That's what made, has made Leonard Fournette so great in Tampa Bay is that he's in the Brady circle of trust. He's getting goal line. He's getting receiving work. So there's no game script that gets Leonard Fournette off the field. But So I think teams are getting smarter with that. The platoon thing makes a lot of sense. That's why you don't see as many bell cows. But uh, let's just be careful with these running backs. I'm still going to take a running back early in my draft, and it's, it's going to be – some of these guys, and I have a diversified portfolio. I don't have everybody. I Najee Harris, I'm nervous about, even though he is one of the younger backs. But if Aaron Jones doesn't do it, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't do it, uh, Frank Frank Schwab talked me into Connor last night in the league. Uh, he likes Connor more than I do. But uh, some of the backs I drafted are going to bust. I still think it's important to take a shot at somebody who could be a top five running back, somebody who could be quote unquote league winner. And then I'm going to fill up my wide receiver room. But just keep an idea of what you're getting into with the age curves and just keep in mind, this is a position where you really want to skew as young as you can. Yeah. I mean, so, again, so many things there, but I, the pass catching part of it did make me like, I wonder how these age, like some, maybe some of these guys will age more gracefully as we get the running backs, like pass catching. But, you know, I mean, shoot, Scott, like Christian McCaffrey, I, he, the thing is he's a weird player because he has like, a Derrick Henry role plus like an Austin Eckler role in some ways. Like he has, he's, he's one of the most, this is why he's a rare, rare producer um, in her, in terms of fantasy football is because he has that insane combo role. Um, but like, he's a guy that 
I just hate to say this, but like if at the end of this season, he's that kind of Todd Gurley point where it's like, oh, he's just and that's the funny thing to bring it back to Gurley for a second. Like, was there any human being on planet Earth that was optimistic about Todd Gurley when he signed with the Falcons? Was was anybody because like I kind of feel like he was done before he was done right like even when he signed with atlanta it was like that's nothing's happened here which sucked because you're right Gurley was such a he and he was kind of like a get out in space type of back it's just he had that arthritic knee and there were so many things there that you just can't know about but yeah i i think that like a pass catching guy like McCaffrey, like I could see him going either way. So I, but I do wonder for the guys like Eckler for Aaron Jones and, you know, some of your, some of the younger guys too, like a Deandre Swift, like might these guys age really well um, because of this pass catching type role. And yeah, I just wanted to call a couple of uh, attention to these guys that are 25 or younger. We talked about Jonathan Taylor, who I think has got a good shot to repeat at RB one overall Najee Harris, Deandre Swift, Saquon Barkley is interesting because he's still kind of in that meat of where you want, but the, the, he's been trending the wrong, he sort of tests both your, th- your theories here, right? Scott on the cheese theory and also, but the, this, this younger age theory. Right. I mean, I look at all the running back and here's maybe the, the strongest way for me to take it away is when running backs have been going in the wrong direction, McCaffrey, I feel like you have to give him, a little bit of a pass only because Christian McCaffrey's 17 games in theory, his ceiling is higher than anybody else's. So anybody who takes McCaffrey at one or two, if I had a hundred picks at the one slot, I would probably go 60 Taylor and 40 McCaffrey. I'd want to split that and get both of them that makes and sense. diversify my little, my, myself a little bit, but still have both of those guys. But Henry's off a lost season. Um, Barkley is off a messy season. It's gone bad for Zeke the last couple of years. Uh, Kamara's efficiency really tanked last year. They're the probably the four guys out of this survey who, unless the price really lines up to something good, I don't think I'm going to draft them. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Just again, it's it's a, such a strange position, and and I think you said it best. Like you blink your eye and and shoot, everything's gone at the running back position, and it really sucks. It really sucks because uh, there's. But so it's many not it's not that here. the age is a definite no though, because as you said, yes. you and I, I've said all. Summer, Aaron Jones, I think, is a perfect second-round pick, and you're in on Aaron Jones in the second round. So you know, some people might say, hey, he's talking out both sides of his mouth. I just think that Jones, the way he is used, maybe he could skirt this thing for another year, plus the Packers, man. And we're going to talk about the Packers in a second, so maybe I, you know, I we can transition there. But um, I just think the usage and the receiver, the way the receiver group, the way it's shaped, I think they're going to need a lot of Aaron Jones, and a lot of it's going to be through that passing game. Scott is right. We are going to talk about the Packers and we are going to use that to transition. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back, and yes, let's talk about the Packers and I think that I, I felt pretty good about the whole idea with Aaron Jones and, and kind of beating this age cliff about the leaps of faith that you got to take with Aaron Jones. Um, I don't think there are that many leaps of faith to, to, to say like, he's going to beat the, the age trend here. Cause similar to Eckler, like Aaron Jones really got started going in 2019. Like it wasn't that 
he hasn't been as he's been in the league for a while and he's an older player like because of that but he didn't really start getting like 200 plus carries until that 2019 season he was getting a good amount of work in 2018 but he didn't play the full year so but i, I scott i do think this is worth I, I this doesn't move the needle for me at all but it is funny whenever somebody like me says i'm taking aaron jones at the top of round two, or you say like perfect second round pick shoot. I, I will cop to it and say, I'd take Aaron Jones in the late first round. I, I truly would take him over Najee Harris. I truly would take him over some of those other backs. And I would be comfortable. Like if pushed into it, I it shouldn't be side receivers over him, but pushed into it. I would take Aaron Jones at the 11th overall pick. But the first thing people will say is, well, what about AJ Dillon? You goofball. Like I I've got AJ Dillon ranked as a RB two what's the response to the sort of fact that like, we all know that this is going to be a committee, but we're still that high on Aaron Jones. The strange thing about the Packers is I can't remember ever a backfield being Jones is one of my most rostered players, a proactive pick, a green light guy all the way, but I'm actually, and not quite to the extent of Jones, but I actually am fine to draft Dylan too. I have a fair yep. amount of Dylan. I, I haven't actually mapped it out on a spreadsheet recently, but I think I'm probably overweight on Dylan based on what a normal distribution would be because this offense I mean, look, Alan Lazard's a nice player. He's miscast as a number one. They obviously Adams left. They they drafted a couple of rookies who I don't think are going to be major contributors right away. I mean, who really expects anything from Cobb or Watkins? I you know I, I'd be shocked if they did anything significant. I guess maybe Bob Tunyon could get involved in the passing game after a lost season. But this team's going to run the ball a lot. They're going to throw to their backs. Uh, Dylan is a capable receiver. I mean, he came out of Boston College with, with no receiving resume, but he's actually been okay as a receiver. I think Aaron Jones is a very good receiver. And the Packers still have good coaching. They have a plus defense, although I think Minnesota is actually the kind of the fun pick to win this division. The Packers, just by showing up, are going to win 9-10 games. I think they'll probably go 11-6, 10-7, make the playoffs again. And we want running backs tied to winning situations, right? I mean, we want positive game script. We want third and fourth quarter carries against defenses that have been worn down. We want goal line rushing opportunities. So I'm going to draft a lot of Jones. I already have. I'm going to draft some Dylan. And, and the, the great thing here, again, the bell cow's dead pretty much. There's only a handful of them. If you can look at a backfield and say, yeah, it's these two guys. There's no fullback. They're not getting cute. And remember, Rodgers also, this is another way we have to factor in usage with teams. Does the quarterback run? Rodgers used to be kind of a resourceful runner. He's put that on ice now. Rodgers will run for 120 yards and two touchdowns this year. That's it. He's taken nothing off the table from these two guys. So you have my permission. You have my stamp to take Jones anytime you want in the second round. Or even if Matt said, if you want to take him in the first round, I'm okay with it. My build is what one running back I like, and then I want receivers. Jones can be that back. But I'm also fine to take E.J. Dillon where he goes as well. And I, I'm, I'm going to continue to do that. I won't do it on the same team. I think that's a little bit of a yeah, mistake. But this is the rare case where I, I can't remember doing it before. Where they, they, The key is they have standalone value, right? I mean, you know, with, with Cook and Madison, you can't really draft Madison, Madison and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use him in bye weeks even if Cook's on the field. We've seen no inclination that's going to work. And there's a lot of other teams where it's like, yeah, I, I see the understudy. I, I see that he's got you know, the quote-unquote handcuff value. Or, you know, we try to not say that word anymore. But um, this is a case where they do have value working together. They do have, you know, Dylan has that standalone value, which is why he can be pushed up as early as round six. The Packers have two running backs on their active roster. That's it. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Like, they're going to use the hell out of these two guys. Like there's not, and there's not, there's like, I mean, they might add another guy to their active roster by the time week one comes around. 
sure. But it's very clear that those two guys are going to be a huge part of their plans. And I agree with you. I'm I'm never going to take them on the same team because I think that that's sort of capping. The, the thing with uh, both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is if one gets hurt, the other is like a consensus, probably top five running back. Like if, for sure, if Aaron Jones, you know, knock on wood for both of our teams, Scott gets hurt. Um, uh, A.J. Dillon's going to rock it up draft boards, you know, or, or rock up. it up weekly rankings. Yeah, he wheels up all the way. But I agree with you. This is probably the first time and. Um, let me go full Ron Rivera here. This situation sort of reminds me of D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, right? Like I see it. these two guys are going to be feature points of this offense. Like the Packers are clearly going to run the ball a ton and they're going to throw the ball to both of these guys. Like Aaron Rodgers has said, they're going to both try for the 50 catch club. Like he's going to throw to both of these players. Like I could see them owning a absurd target share in this offense, which I think can transition us to our next point before we just kind of put a bow on Dylan. Like I have him at running back 24. I don't know where you're at um, in terms of AJ Dylan, but like there are starting running backs theoretically. Like I would take him over any Washington starter. I would take him over any Buffalo starter. Devin Singletary is, is obviously the guy there. Like, I would take him over any um, any Seahawks starter for sure. Uh, the Bears starter, the Raiders starter, I've got A.J. Dillon over. Like, There's a lot of, quote, running back one types on their team's depth chart that I would 100% take A.J. Dillon over because of the touchdown and catches upside for him. Yeah, I have my last ranking set of rankings that running back has Aaron Jones at six and has A.J. Dillon at 21. So, again, right I'm, I'm ahead of market on both of those guys, I think. Yeah, we are we are right in line together on the Packers running back. Scott, that makes a lot of sense. And but it, this is a transition. Like if I think these guys are going to catch a ton of passes, their receivers are not going to catch a ton of passes. And it was it's sometimes like a coach says something and you don't want to buy it. But then another time a coach says something, you're like, that's that's what I've been saying about your team. <laughs> so when Matt LaFleur comes out and says, quote, the ball's going to be spread around and the offense will use a number of different situations uh, for different different receivers in different situations this season. Man, that one stood out to me because I have been saying for months now like I feel the Packers pass catching group receivers, tight ends and even these running backs, it's going to have a lot of guys that go between 500 yards and 750 yards. Maybe like all four or five wide receivers hit 500 plus yards, but nobody's going to get 1000. So I mean, Alan Lazard is ranked so high in some spots, and it's just, I I don't see it at all. I don't, I, I don't see it at all. The thing with Lazard is I'm comfortable taking him if he projects to one of my bench players. If he's my wide receiver four or later, uh, although I do have him right now. I think he's wide receiver 38 in my board, and I think that's probably too high. I got to move him down, but it's just starting to get into a gray area where I want to have I want to have like four receivers who are better than Alan Lazard anyway, but man, this is a team screaming for a number one. They don't have one. And I don't think Lazard's going to become that guy. And, you know, Rodgers is the guy, by the way, I can't draft. I mean, who's going to yeah, drag no. him, right? I mean, you need – Rodgers isn't going to run. And, you know, it's it's nice that Aaron Jones could maybe have 560 receiving yards and a handful of touchdowns. But you can't you can't live on that if you're a fantasy quarterback. There are so many right answers at quarterback in fantasy that Rodgers, to me, I don't even see him on my board. You know, I'm not taking him where he goes. Even if he slips a few rounds, I'm not tempted. I think he got blindsided by the Devontae Adams thing. I, I don't think he's particularly happy with the people around him. Obviously, the Packers have done a poor job of assembling that receiver room. They did, they finally did draft a couple of rookie receivers, which they've been reluctant to do, but it doesn't sound like those guys are, are ready to hit the ground running. Um, this is a, I'm fading this passing game, man. Yeah, I've I've had 
at different times, I had Lazard after my top 50 receivers. I think I've got him right now. Let me pull it up. He's at wide receiver 47, which means you're not going to get him because ADP's got him at like 39, you know, a top 100 pick. And Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing him into the 40s now, too. That's the right play. <laughs> what, what were his... Um... What was his uh, perception grade? How did he chart out for you? He no, not good. I mean, not very good. <laughs> uh, not very good. I I think he can play as a big slot. Um, and they did a lot of that last year. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure of like guys that had thirty plus targets last year. He had the highest percentage of snaps in line, like as a literal tight end, at four point four percent last year. Alan Lazard. So now nah, he's not a not a great separator. I think he's a pretty good football player because he's got good hands. He can he can make contested catches and he's a good blocker. Like he's a re- he's a really really good asset in their run blocking game. Again, to bring it back to the running backs, but not a good separator, not a guy that gets open. Like I, I think he would be a fine three. I think he'd be a fine number three. You could get away with him as a number two, but he's definitely not a number one. And I don't, frankly, I don't think the Packers are going to treat him like a number one. Like fantasy players are treating him as a number one based on the ADP, but I don't even think he's that. Like I think he could be the number one in October and December, but September and uh, November might go to somebody else, right? Like I, and I, I want to bring this, the, the name we haven't said yet, like Scott, I, I kind of think Sammy Watkins, the oldest 29 year old in human history is going to have a, a pretty big role for this team, at least early. I can't get behind that. There's, there's a guy. There's a guy with the cheese. Has, the cheese hasn't just gone bad. I mean, the, the cheese has been thrown out. The dog doesn't want to eat it. The rats don't want to eat it. it, it that that cheese is rancid, man. That that cheese is that cheese. It, it smells like you know Animal House after the toga party. You don't you don't want to go near that. Uh, it's bad when you drop the cheese on the ground and the dogs don't even eat it. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, although I don't know, my mine are monsters. They. It would might it might where do, kill. We go, where, where do we go wrong? Because Sammy Watkins was one was part of that 2014 class. Man, it's just it's so funny. I mean, that was the, the rookie class that changed fantasy football. And Evans is still good. Beckham's it's mostly been about the injuries, although he's had kind of a strange career. But yeah, man, Watkins was a major part of that group and um doesn't look pretty right now. And he's the first one drafted, fourth overall. The Bills fourth traded, overall. traded up for Sammy Watkins ahead of all of those guys, you know, and, and we're talking about Devontae Adams from that same class, Allen Robinson from that same class, yep. Brandon Cooks from that same class, Kelvin Benjamin, LOL, Panthers uh, <laughs> from that same class. But, yeah, man, I I just think that Watkins is going to have some moments for this team. I am not telling you that you have to draft Sammy Watkins. I just think he's going to have moments for this team. I do think that Romeo Dobbs is interesting. I kind of buy that he is the type of player that – um the type of player that Rodgers likes, like Al, he like Ran Rodgers likes Alan Lazard a ton. He's always talked about him as a player that needs to get more involved, that, all that type of stuff. But man, I mean, it, it's not about the separation; it's about the reliability in the hands and stuff like that. I think Romeo Dobbs can go up and I don't know if if you're taking a sleeper pick here. I think it should be Romeo Dobbs. I think he's better than Christian Watson. He can win down the field. Um, I should have a RP sample done for Romeo Dobbs at some point over the next. A week or so so yeah i, I kind of like romeo dobbs but he's nothing more than like a late round flyer white waiver wire speed dial type yeah the, the problem with dobbs i actually agree with just about everything you said about dobbs i just think it's gonna be hard to hold him because i think he's Agreed. likely to get off slow and it might be a case of and actually you know i mentioned that 14 class right i mean beckham popped late in that year evans popped late in that year think about last year where Kadarius tony you know didn't do much early but he popped late i could Same see a round. lot of rookie 
you're right. St. Brown for sure, who was obviously a, you know a, an absolute overlord and a fantasy league winner at the end of the season. I can see Dobbs having that at least that kind of liftoff, maybe not to that seismic uh, you know uh, of a uh, production level, but it, it may be a case where there's a guy I don't think I'll draft, but I'll be really interested sniffing around if if my team's in good shape and I'm just looking for. Uh, plausible upside guys to add in the middle of the season or maybe thrown into a trade or something like that and just hope, okay, maybe there's been an injury or maybe this is the week where they're ready to to give him a chance and and give him the seven to eight targets they've been reluctant to give. I I think I'd be very surprised if he's a factor early in the season, but I'm open-minded to the idea that he could blossom in the second half. Yeah, Scott, that's because Sammy Watkins is going to be having a big September for this team. (laughs) September Sammy Watkins. Week one, Sammy. Yeah, you can't spell Sammy Watkins without week one. I guess you probably can, but (laughs) it feels like you can't. All right, let's move on to the Vikings. We got another team here to do in the NFC North. Um, This one, we're excited about the Vikings, right? Um, And, and, you know, we talked about Dalvin Cook up top. We'll lead off with him here. Dalvin Cook, I've flip-flopped him and Derrick Henry at running back four and five pretty much all offseason. I think that Cook, funny enough, though, like, I like Dalvin Cook, but I still like roll my eyes when I get, you know, pick eight to 10 or whatever, because that is kind of like the Dalvin cook zone in the first round for me based on my rankings. But I, I don't know. I, I definitely think he does deserve a boost for the, the way this offense is about to change. Oh, we know you're drafting Stefan Diggs in that area, right? Come on. Come God, you damn right. I am Scott. <laughs> and nothing, and nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm not against cook cooks, a yellow light player for me, but, and again, you know, he's been hurt his entire career. He's missed games. I think Madison's actually been a little bit overrated. And there's been whispers that maybe Minnesota would listen if somebody wanted to trade him. That's why the trade for him. But when I see this offense, I I can't not see Justin Jefferson and think he could be like the number one player in fantasy this year. He's somebody I've tried to get as many shares as I can. And when I don't get Jefferson, that just makes me want Kirk Cousins later. I have some teams with Jefferson and Cousins. I have some teams with Thielen and Cousins. I think KJ Osborne is interesting. If Irv Smith could just stop being unlucky for 10 seconds, he's interesting. Yeah. This offense, this team, I mean, Mike Zimmer, you know, ran kind of hot. He was a defensive minded coach, did well documented, didn't get along with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins didn't get along with Zimmer. This team is getting them remodeled. The, the kitchen's getting painted at the right moment. They're getting modern. I think the Vikings have a great chance to win this division at plus odds. I think. Cousins is going to get dragged by really good skill talent. Jefferson's a unique player. I, I want as much Jefferson as I can get. I think Cousins in Superflex, especially. I, Frank and I did a team last night where uh, w- Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins is our quarterback room. We also got Carson Wentz. And, and look, you know, do we have the exciting running quarterbacks? No. Well, we don't have Jackson. We don't have Hurts. We don't have Trey Lance. But I will go to battle with that team, especially because it was kind of on a budget. It wasn't all that expensive, and we were able to get some stud receivers. We didn't get Jefferson, unfortunately, but we got Lamb and some other guys, Mike Evans. We have a very strong receiver room. So, uh, man, I want to bet on Kevin O'Connell win Coach of the Year. I want to win Minnesota. I want to bet Minnesota win this division, go to the playoffs to beat their 9.5 win total, Jefferson to the moon. Uh, This is the passing game is really where I'm trying to spend my Minnesota chips. Me too. Um, just to highlight Justin Jefferson, it, it's funny because, by the way, he seems like the guy that's most excited about the coaching change. He's like made the podcast rounds this offseason. Didn't come on the Yahoo Fantasy football forecast, though. What the hell? He did a promo uh, for Yahoo Fantasy. He did. He did do a promo. That's true. Him and, and he, and, Which he said to draft Justin Jefferson. I, I want to add that. Yes. Justin Jefferson thinks you should draft Justin Jefferson. That, that seems to be a trend. 
uh, of, of yeah, players. Right. Yeah, Derek Henry says you're crazy for going zero RB, and you know um, I'm sure Austin Eckler is a, is a proponent of Austin Eckler, which he should be. And, yes, and congratulations getting uh, the first show off the ground. What a, what a Austin Eckler's just fantastic, man. I mean, he, all, all these best. guys, I appreciate them being part of our family, but but Eckler, just thoughtful and and smart, interesting. Didn't did he say to you a few years ago? Hey, what's my reception perception grade? I want you to chart me, <laughs> yes. right? That's, that's fantastic. I just love the way he thinks about the game and wants yeah. to be the best version of him. It's you know, it's tremendous that he's part of our group again. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Eckler and Justin Herbert too. By the way, like that, I the quote of the episode, uh, first Eckler's Edge was Justin Herbert saying, "I asked him like, what's something." you know, kind of weird or interesting about you that p- so people could get to know you better. And he's like, uh, yeah, outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. So, um, yeah, just a cool guy. Both those guys are great, especially Austin. That's why Maybe. Miami didn't take him. They didn't want to take an introvert with their first round pick. So they took Tua, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe Tua will be a good player. He's never going to be Justin Herbert. Never going to be Justin Herbert. Um, but yeah, Austin definitely, um, Definitely upset that I did not take him second overall and took Christian McCaffrey over him. Yeah, he said that to my face. So a tough scene for me there. But anyways, back to the Vikings. Justin Jefferson, like you said, thinks he you should take Justin Jefferson, and, and I'm inclined to agree with him. Um, he's definitely excited about this uh, this remade Vikings passing game. And, you know, it's funny that part of the talk and, you know, this stuff gets, like, circulated around in fantasy circles. And he even kind of, like, leaned into it, too. That Like, he thinks the position the Cooper Cup played in the Rams offense, that's the position he's going to play. Which is great, but like, I know this sounds like a hot take about Cooper Cup because he just led the NFL and catches yards and touchdowns, but like, he needs to play in that role because of the type of player that he is. Justin Jefferson does not need to play in that role. Like, he, Justin Jefferson, in my mind, is already an elite player. I'll read off a couple of uh, reception perception nuggets here. He owns multiple top 20 all time success rate versus man coverage scores. He's been uh, above the you know, 95th percentile against press coverage in each of his first two seasons. He's cleared 85% success rate versus zone. So officially with all of that combined, like checking those three benchmarks, these are the, the company of players he keeps in the RP database. Stefan Diggs, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, obviously in his prime, Antonio Brown, obviously in his prime, and Devontae Adams. Like, those are the best receivers in football, and so multiple of those guys have been the best receiver in fantasy a couple of times. So... I don't even think he really needs to be in a Cooper Cup role to to be a great player, but just the boost in pace, plays, runs, and pass attempts. If you if anybody picks Justin Jefferson first overall in a draft, are you are you blinking or raising an eyebrow at it? I have no problem. You can take Justin Jefferson as early as you want. And what your data seems to say to me is there's just no right way to cover this guy. There's not. You yeah. know, you, you you give him a free release, you're dead. You you press him at the line, he beats you. Obviously, if you play zone, he's smart enough to figure it out and find the soft spot. You know that that's almost like too easy for him to beat. Um, he can beat you deep. Big thing with Jefferson, and okay, say say somebody did pick him first overall. What would you need to pay that off? This team, when they get in close and throw the ball, it's been Adam Thielen time. He's a really good space receiver. Is he Devonte Adams? I don't think anybody's Devonte Adams, but he's a guy who has a great rapport with Cousins. But I don't see any reason why. The Vikings couldn't learn to throw three-yard touchdown passes to Justin Jefferson, too. Now, I'm actually fine with drafting Thielen where he goes. He made my all-boring team. A lot of people are going to draft him as a bench receiver. I think that's a great value there. But Jefferson, man, he's got, he's got like 18, 19 touchdown upside. I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't. Some of the things that he hasn't done to this point, I think it's just he hasn't been asked to do them. It's not that he can't do them. And those short touchdowns are, would be right at the top of that list. That's the key to me is the stuff around the goal line. And a lot of the stuff that... Um, 
the Rams do with Cooper Cup. And, you know, again, same tree here. Matt LaFleur and the Packers have done with Devontae Adams the last few years. Like, they design those little pop gun passes to get their number one guy free releases into the end zone. I think that's where Justin Jefferson takes his game from like wide receiver four overall to wide receiver one overall. Um, so yeah, you have to pay the iron price to get in on Justin Jefferson's, you know, special season here, but I do think it. you're get, I think you should do it. Just a couple other pass catchers to talk about Irv Smith, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith. Yeah, you're right. It's just like, just got to stop being unlucky. But, man, Adam Thielen, I, I think he gets a boost playing in this offense as well. I think Thielen, number one, isn't completely washed. And, like, some of that stuff, like, we kind of forget that back at the beginning of the Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, like, when duo, when those guys were both coming up together, it was actually, you know, there was all this panic about Stefan Diggs moving to the outside receiver position and Adam Thielen moving to, like, the big slot receiver position. But Thielen crushed it in that role, like that pre, pre-snap pre movement type of guy. Him playing as that pre-snap movement flanker position in this offense, I think, is it's sort of he's like going to, I think, be the Robert Woods type of guy, whereas Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, the slot receiver types. And then that also leads me to K.J. Osborne. I mean, this team just traded for Jalen Rager, for God's sakes. Like they don't have a lot of receiver depth. Um Poor Jalen Rager gets traded to the team that has Justin Jefferson. That's just cruel. Doesn't it feel like a mean joke, Scott? Like, it feels like a mean joke on on Jalen Rager. Uh, He gets traded out of Philadelphia. Oh, great. I can finally move on from this Justin Jefferson thing. Oh, no. I guess he gets traded to to Justin (laughs) Jefferson's team. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm my freaking locker is next to the to, to damn Justin Jefferson. And, and I realize I'm making the joke that all of Twitter made. You know, everybody had, a you know, said the same thing, but it's just yeah, so, but obvious. It's, it's so obvious. You know, it's just like Tua, Tua and Herbert are going to be linked together. You know, I'm always going to have that PTSD with the Keel Harry, you know, who went the same year as Debo and A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin and D.K. Metcalf and, and on and on and on. But are you with me that Minnesota is a good value to win the division? I mean, they're plus they're like plus 220. Yeah, no, I I definitely think so. I mean, if you're looking at teams that are, are going to be at those type of odds, I agree with you. Yeah, they just need a few breaks. Um, they need Green Bay to sort of be lost in the wilderness offensively, and I think there's a chance that they can be lost. Like, the, the thing that kills me about this whole Devont- the Devontae Adams discussion is that, oh, my God, Devontae Adams just lost Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, the two-time MVP in the league. Like, he's got a huge quarterback downgrade. Well, yeah, that two-time MVP, like, doesn't win the two-time MVP without having the best receiver in football on his roster the last two years. Like, and Devontae Adams is, to me, the best receiver in football right now. Like, he's getting a huge downgrade as well, going to Alan Lazard and the rest of the goofballs. We're talking about – we just talked – on Iowa, I talked unironically about Sammy frickin' Watkins on this team a couple of minutes ago. Like, that's a tough scene in the year 2022. So I agree with your take on Minnesota there. I do think the one thing that folks will say, though, is, well, the guy playing quarterback for Minnesota. I, I think Kirk Cousins is – how good – like, where where do you think – where does Kirk Cousins rank in the pantheon of NFL quarterbacks? He's like a top 10, top 12 quarterback. He's he's a plus quarterback. You can go to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. And if you had a really strong supporting cast, you could go deep in the playoffs with him. I, I firmly believe that. Yeah. And I mean, hey, the defense is a question. They're, they're, they're sort of changing over things there. Obviously, Zimmer is like, you know, Zimmer for all of his, for all of the shade that the fantasy community throws at him for the boomer offense he's run over the last few years, Zimmer is is a great defensive coach. That's kind of the big question, but it, whether this team is good enough to make a playoff run, but I, I kind of agree with you, Kirk Cousins, and I'm just looking at this now. 
Kirk Cousins, like, in ter- like he gets dunked on for his contract all the time, but he's 11th in terms of average annual salary, which t- to you, Where that sounds be. about right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds That's- about right. He needs, I, I think the other thing with Cousins that forces a lot of people not like him is he's p- played poorly in a lot of primetime games and he hasn't yeah. had a lot of playoff success. So he becomes an easy target. But um, he's, if I wait on quarterback in a one start one league, I'm fine with Cousins. I think he's great in formats that require multiple quarterbacks, your best ball leagues, your super flex leagues, your two quarterback leagues. And again, he doesn't necessarily always have to play well. Sometimes he's just going to throw a slant to Justin Jefferson. Jefferson's going to house it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And Kirk Cousins, uh, back when like his most, it, we, we've again, he's been playing in this Mike Zimmer boomer ball offense for so long that we forget like back in 2016 with Washington, he attempted 606 pass attempts and was just shy of 5,000 yards. Like I think there's a chance Kirk Cousins can throw for 5,000 yards in this offense because of the receivers. And I just wanted to pay off the K- uh, KJ Osborne mention that I had earlier. Like I think Osborne can kind of play a little bit. And I think he's going to be that sort of, if I, if, Adam Th- and this stuff doesn't always line up this way, so take it with a grain of salt. But if Adam Thielen's going to be the Robert Woods type, Justin Jefferson's going to be the Cooper Cup type, that leaves KJ Osborne as kind of the Brandon Cooks like speed X receiver, and he I think he's a really nice like late round flyer. KJ uh, Osborne not going to be an every week starter, but somebody that could have a lot of yards if this offense really pops. Oh, I like. I want you to. We think of our bench being a lot of running backs who are one injury away or one news item away. But maybe KJ Osborne is one news item away as a receiver three, great where call. he he moves up. Or Josh Palmer with the Chargers, Tyler Boyd, who who probably has standalone value anyway. But if somebody got hurt, and again, it's not that Tyler Boyd becomes Jamar Chase if Chase gets hurt. But I mean, the target you share would go up appreciably. Palmer is probably the most attractive of those three guys for me for the potential upside. But Osborne's the case of okay, well, you know, Thielen is in his thirties. What if Thielen has a high ankle sprain in week two? Maybe it's, you know, rather than have to beat everybody on Fab and and waivers for KJ Osborne, maybe he's already on your roster. Yeah, and we saw an example of that last year. I think it was I want to say the Steelers game on Thursday night when uh, it was like a Thursday night game, um, and you know we saw him get nine targets. He only caught three balls, but caught him for 83 yards and a touchdown in that game because Adam play. Thielen was out. Yeah, so I think that you you make a great point there that he can be sort of the, the wide receiver insurance policy, which we typically think about for running backs. All right, Scott, uh, any other closing thoughts on Vikings, Packers, anything before we get out of here? That's all I got. Hey, man, two good teams... <laughs> Sammy Watkins, bro. Oh my God! What a yeah, don't don't draft Sammy Watkins. Don't draft. I'll, I'll close with that. Yeah, don't don't draft. Don't cheese draft Sammy bad. Watkins. Yeah. Bad cheese. Yeah, cheese is. You gotta throw that cheese out at some point. All right, that is gonna do it for us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show. How could you not like the show? Austin Eckler is a podcast host here. Don't you love Austin Eckler? Make sure to leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. We're not monsters. We're taking the three-day weekend just like the rest of you. I'm going to be up in Santa Barbara doing a lot of uh, wine tasting up there with my wife as sort of a last little hoorah before the season completely takes me over. But we will be back on Tuesday morning with the great Andy Barons to talk about which week one games we're most excited for. But until then... We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.